Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. It's really great to be with you all today. I'm James Prescott, your host, and um, today I've got another interview for you, but it's a very special interview. It's an interview that I did last October with Michael and Lisa Gunga. Uh, Michael and Lisa are really creative people, they're musicians, Um, they're on this spiritual journey. Um, They've been on a very, very powerful personal journey in the last few years. And um, they, yeah, and so I'm talking to them about their own journey, their spiritual journey, the journey they've been on their, in their own family, and some of the challenges that they've faced. And they've got such wisdom on the journey of faith, um, on, on dual spirituality, um, on creativity, and on so much other stuff. And they were such a delight to talk to, so down to earth, so friendly. Um, and yeah, we talked, so I think we talked for a couple of hours, you know. Um, what you're going to hear is an edited version of that. So I'm really, really excited for you to hear this. There's, there's so much wisdom here, so much inspiration, and um, yeah, Michael and Lisa are fantastic. So uh, take a listen and get ready to be inspired. Uh, so welcome. It's really great to have you here. Hey, hey. Thank you. Thanks, James. Yeah. Um, if you've not heard of uh, Michael and Lisa Gunga, they are from the band Gunga. Um, also, um, they appear on the Liturgist podcast as well, which is an amazing podcast, uh, one of my favourite podcasts. Um, and they do a bit of blogging as well, and they're very creative people. So, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about a lot of different things today. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's plough in. Um, um, yeah, you just released... Um, well, in the last 12 months, you've released about, you've released, well, 18 months, I think it is, you released three albums, which are kind of a trilogy, um, the One World Life Trilogy, which is amazing. Um, um, we'll talk a bit more about it in detail in a minute, but how did that kind of come about? What's the journey behind that trilogy of albums? Well, it started because um, we had been writing for an album and in 2014 we it was the hardest year of our life hands down we've uh, i think we've talked about this a bit on yeah another podcast <laughs> and, and, and like every show how 2014 was just so 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 difficult and um so it really came out of that we found when we're in difficult uh situations that that's how we process life um, songs come out of that uh, the most difficult um, things we've gone through writing a song is like they're kind of the first thing that we turn to and it helps us um, it, it helps me heal and process and then, you know, that's the same for Michael and, and it's almost like we can't work through it properly until we're writing a song about it, it's just how we've always been so so many things were happening in 2014 and mm-hmm kind of kept happening and so we just kept writing songs and when we found ourselves recording an album we didn't really know what to do with all the songs we had and so at first we thought well maybe we'll just do a double cd and then um we've always liked themes and we've always been drawn to um like groups of three if we wanted it to be a big um the sense of completions and so it just it kind of was evolving. We think I remember us thinking about it like day after day, and then I think it was Michael who said, "I I know what it should be. It should be uh, spirit, soul, body." And 
we were already talking about like this the wholeness of life and you know like we are not a triangle we are a circle and life is a circle and you can't just ignore the painful things and only go towards the beautiful things of life um you you will experience all of it and Mm. closing a blind eye to one part of it is closing uh your heart off to to really a full life and so we had been experiencing so much pain um, in 2014, and that walking through those painful experiences is what taught us the value of pain and the value of, of leaning into the night, leaning into the dark places, leaning into the ache. And it's been for us really like the places we've found in profound sight, these things we've wrestled with uh, on a quite the deepest level we've wrestled with anything and with our faith and we had a, a little girl that um, beautiful little girl she's amazing and when we didn't know when she was born she was born with um, two heart conditions and mm. she was diagnosed with Down syndrome uh-huh. and so it just these things were just floored us and it, um, it through all of this and this journey that we were that we kind of embarked on after 2014 um, is where where all these songs were really birthed from. So it's been quite a journey for us. I mean, very, very, very heartfelt. Uh, these songs are very dear, dear to us. Yeah, I, it's funny because I, I find that myself is I I do a lot of writing. I'm a, I'm a writer, you know. I write books and things and. I've been going through a difficult season recently and dealing with a lot of stuff from my past and that I've kind of buried. And one of the things that I've found is that I've ended up writing a whole load of stuff, you know. And it's just kind of around, like my Dropbox files getting full of material for some unplanned book in the future, you know. It's just, it's incredible how suffering often tends to lead to creativity and how creativity and suffering are kind of linked. Yeah. Yeah, there's a weird aspect of that that I've, that's been something I've been wrestling through lately with um, because the whole sort of the Buddhist idea of attachment creating suffering and and my experience with suffering creating art and me believing that art is beautiful and necessary um part of human expression in life and existence. It's a strange tie because on one hand, I want to eliminate suffering. You know, I want to um, want to fight against suffering in, on some level, but also see the value of it on another level. It's a strange tension and paradox to feel um, because it is, you know, suffering comes out of this desire for things to be different than they are. And if you don't have any desire for things to be different than they are, then you don't really do anything about the world. Um, mm. And make new things. And, and So there's a, there's a navigating within desire in, in a way that's somehow less attached in a negative way, but, mm. but also... Um, not so free of desire that you just become a you know a 
a rock sitting on the sidewalk. Which <laughs> um, yeah, because otherwise, does does being a human being have any value? If if, if we're all just supposed to be rocks sitting on the sidewalk, you know. So, um, mm. so it's just an interesting tension to to swim within all of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, and I. I it's funny because I was going to ask, you know, when you say you wrote a whole bunch of songs through this period of suffering, and yet when I look at, when I put all the three albums, um, because it's three, isn't it? There's, uh, I can't remember what order it is now. It's a, it's a body, spirit? It's a soul, soul, spirit, body. Soul, spirit, body, yeah. Uh, and they're released in that order. And I put them all together in one playlist following on from each other and I actually looked at the, all the song titles from all three put together and there was it was so I mean, to me it became really clear that there was an arc to, to it from start to finish mm-hmm. yeah. you know and there was such intention behind the way it was put together and even you know the titles of the song and the, the themes and the lyrics and everything um, and I was going to ask I mean, how do you manage to cultivate such intention in terms of you know the detail that you put you know because um how do you how do you manage to get that level of intention in terms of the creativity and how you put creative projects together like that i don't know i think there's something it's 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 kind of playful um there's something about creating art that feels like a game to me. It feels like a fun, like kids being kids and making up stories and making up, you know, dressing up in costumes. And this is a real similarity um, to me between that. And so it's like a game. It's like we've spent a long time making up this game. You know, we've been in that one wildlife thing. I mean, we released all three within the last 12 months, but yeah, you're right. It's been worked on before that. We started kind of thinking about it before the 12 months. Um, and just throughout the process, it's kind of like, it's evolved. You know, we had ideas at the beginning, but then when you're thinking about it every day and playing with it, uh, you have new little oh, wow, we could tie this to this if we did this. And it's just, um, we were in one wildlife for the whole year. That's like what we did, you know? So, mm. um, by doing, we did a season pass where a lot of, a lot of our, our community and our fans and our people um, kind of be a part of it and help us make it, not only by buying three of them up front, which allowed us to kind of get off the road and focus just on the album and then they're, they're, they're kind of part of the process and then the conversations we were having on the Liturgist podcast and everything that we were doing was kind of feeding this our primary work through the year which was this one world life thing um, so yeah it was just a lot of thought a lot of play and it, because it was a concept from the beginning it was fun to be able to just kind of play with that concept as many ways as possible yeah yeah, so what, what, what were your thoughts on that, Lisa? Um, yeah, I think we... It's always interesting when we start in on an album to me, and even unintentionally, I mean, they have these themes to them that a lot of times end up having an arc throughout the entire album. A lot of our albums have been that way. 
sometimes it doesn't really make total sense to us until we're in the middle of it. So it is just, it's like this fluid thing and it's also hmm. a, a puzzle. Like we have these different pieces and then we start realizing where they fit together after we're in it for a little bit, you know? And then yeah. even after that we go, okay, this is what, it starts to like show itself to us, right? Like a lot of artists will talk about that. Like, this is yeah. how do how do you know this is supposed to be what it is? Well, I, you know, like somehow the art is speaking to you as you're going into it, telling mm. you what it's supposed to be as well, which is really cool thing to experience. Um, even if you have an intention in the first in in the beginning in the first place with it. Um, as you go into it, that intention can even slowly evolve and change. And so you start realizing slowly, I think, because um, it, you start realizing where things are connecting and what's working and what's not. And um, it, it, it kind of takes this form within itself. And hey, this is what I want you to create me to be. So, uh, mm. and then we'll end up writing songs like if we feel like a puzzle piece is missing. Like, okay, this is what we see it should be now. And so we'll write some other songs to fill in those spots of uh, that. Ha- that happened, I think, a lot the, the most with Body, the last album, because once mm. we finally realized we wanted it to be about birth and then death so we we intentionally wrote the birth song um, we didn't already have that when we had most of the other songs but intentionally wrote a song about what would it be like to write a song from a unborn child's perspective and then coming um, out of the world you know into a new world yeah. um, and so, you know, you first hear the humming of the mother, and so the baby knows that that's the mother's, you know, she's, she, the baby is still uh, within the mother, and, and the baby gets to know this voice, and then the baby comes into the world, and the mother is holding it, and the baby says, oh, I, you know, or thinks, uh, well, that's a familiar voice, and what is this new world? And so, so, so that was intentionally wrote for this last album, and death, deathbed was... And um, let's try to remember the specific ones that we didn't have. It was, there was also the one about see me, see me, hear me, love me. Hmm. This whole like toddler idea of like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Watch mommy, watch, I'm gonna jump or I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna win this medal and this award and so much you're in this phase of attention, 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 building your ego, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's a long answer of it, but uh, so... No, it's a yeah, great answer. It comes in pieces. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I know that I'm, I'm, the, the, the books that I'm writing at the moment, I've just finished my first book, it's about to come out, and then as I was talking about this with my editor, it kind of, the ideas that were coming out while we, were, while we were working on it, it was like, oh, this is a trilogy. There's like three books uh-huh. that come, there's like this book, and then there's another book that comes out of this one, which I'd already had an idea for, but I didn't realize it was a sequel. <laughs> 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 I didn't realize it was a sequel. Well, you're going to write three books. Well, yeah. Awesome. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. And I realized that the first, the second book began where the first one ended. 
And the third one actually began with the second one ended, and I didn't realise that when I came up with the ideas for them. And so uh, we kind of said, right, we're going to do these three in three years, you know. Um, and the first nice. one, yeah. First one's on, on grace, second one's on identity, and the third one's on creativity. So, um, um, yeah, so um, oh, well, I'm hoping that... Really cool. Yeah, um, I'm really excited about that. But it is amazing. But it's kind of like, yeah, that idea kind of just evolved by itself. It was like I didn't decide to do that. It just, it was just the natural progression of those ideas which kind of evolved into what it's going to be, what it's going to become, you know. Well, and yeah, if you want to get um, fun and mystical and silly about it, then you can... <laughs> I mean, I love, I love how uh, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about creativity and she talks about it in this sort of whimsical, yeah. mystical way about how the work actually already exists and it kind of presents itself to you through the muse and yeah. are you there to receive it and there's something too I, you know, I don't know what, uh, what any of that would actually mean within metaphysical reality or science or anything like that but there's something that it feels at least when you're making something that you're actually discovering something that needs to be made or that, that is actually wanting to come into existence for, in, in some way yeah. um, and you're just kind of receiving it it's not something you necessarily it doesn't feel like you're carving it out of nothing you're you're kind of finding something that, that wants to be made in the universe and you're letting it use you almost yeah absolutely I completely agree with that you know um, I mean the word the title of this podcast is uh, I chose it specifically because um, it's the it's uh, poema, which is the um, the word that um, when Paul talks about, I think it's Paul talks about how we're God's workmanship. You know, um, that's the word that he uses uh, for workmanship. So it's like mm-hmm. life is a work of art. Life is the divine act of create, the ultimate act of creativity. You know, yeah. um, and there's all these connections between spirituality and creativity, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I just yeah. <laughs> I get excited when I'm talking about creativity. I've got to admit. Um, um. <laughs> listening back to this interview uh, because um, my own writing journey has has taken on a different perspective since then Um, having launched my book um, I'm now seeing the trilogy that I'd originally planned and I'd originally conceived of is the idea is changing it's evolving it's different to what it was and it will um, probably go on over a longer period of time the ideas will be slightly different the way they look will be different so it's fascinating hearing hearing this and talking about creativity and the creative process um, and the kind of magic of it um, and, and how organic it is because that's certainly been reflected in what's happened in my own creative journey since uh, since we did this interview 
I just thought it was important to reflect on that, and it's, and I think it just highlights that you know that creativity, spirituality, identity, um, are very intertwined, and that our journeys are very organic, and that things change, and that the way we see see things change, that our that the ideas that we have change and evolve, um, and. Um, it's a really, really fascinating thing, and I think it's a lesson for all of us to learn about creativity and, and not to stay too hardwired to certain ideas, but to allow uh, the muse, as it were, to uh, and, our, and our own journeys to um, impact us and shape us and take us to different places. And um, um, that's a really, really fascinating uh, reflection that I've had. So um, now we're going to move on to the next part of the interview, where um, where I start off talking to Lisa um, about. Um, their own journey about uh, the season that they've just been that they're coming out of and how that's changing them and um and how they're walking into this new season of their life and and the challenges that that's bringing them life is a reflection of your own journey we just talked about that a little bit um but obviously since you've started making the album and putting it together that you know life goes on doesn't it so yeah <laughs> what has um what has happened like how's your journey continued through the process of making the album and how has how has making the album kind of impacted your journey if that makes that makes sense yeah yeah it does um you know it's definitely felt like a massive shift in season with this album coming to a close uh, which is really interesting because it didn't I mean it's it felt like we went through this big shift and change and it was like massively hard at first and then there's like these peaks and valleys right we're like oh I've I have this key and my eyes are opened and now everything's going to be great and then you kind of crash and burn again. <laughs> and you go, yeah. I think that's like part of the human experience, right? You're like, I thought I learned this thing. And then you find you're kind of grab, grappling for that, those same pieces of light or that same key that you just had and like, like unlocked everything. Um, so it's de- it definitely, I feel like we, You know, experiencing it myself, how difficult that season was for us. Mm. Um, sometimes I felt like I didn't have the right to like still rock it out, right? Like, well, no, this is over and done. And it was really wonderful to have people in our lives that said, "Hey, just so you know, all of these things that just happened are." are huge and it would only take one of these things to happen to send people over the edge and um, I felt like it gave me the permission that I needed to not feel bad about having bad days and um, but interestingly enough as we throughout this album process like it really was a working out of all of these issues and the crumbling of one ideology and construction of a different one and uh, the loss of certainty, the, you know, the loss of so much and 
rebuilding of so much. Mm. Um, on this side of it, it's like, it feels like a different life. And I know that sounds dramatic, but that's what it is. It, we're, it, it, when I look back on all those things that happened, it, it feels like we're talking about someone else, kind of, which feels really good. I mean, when you've been in such a bad place for so long, you know, <laughs> yeah. even like, even talking in other, even maybe even six months ago, speaking about this with other people, you know, people always want to talk to you when you're over and done with the hard part. And sometimes it feels like you're a, a nag or kind of a drain if you're still going through it. And so I remember saying that to Michael, I'm like, can we just not still be going through this or struggling with these issues? Because people are asking us about that. We have to say something great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like even writing a book. Well, you get to the end of the book, you're like, well, guys, it's still kind of shitty. I don't know, but, but it's so it's so so nice not to be in that place anymore. Where um, it really feels like an absolute, totally different season of our life that we've really let go of a lot and have forgiven a lot and just let ourselves heal. Um, given our giving ourselves space to be human and. Um, feel in a healthy way uh, process in a healthy way the things that were necessary to process so um, so now it's it really feels I mean we talk a lot about the practice of sight and what are you going to see what are you going to do with this one wild and precious life it's the whole thing right like this life is beautiful so often we miss like what's right in front of us because we're looking for it to be different, mm. and 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 that's what we were doing for a long time. And and I, th I think in some ways those moments of light and um, profound feelings of love and feeling like you see God and um, within the world within people, but then. I don't, I don't know. I feel like so much of where Michael and I were, um, it was still like, even even with faith, it was we were trying to believe in this God that like broke into this magical earth to do magical things. And, you know, it's like yeah. this isn't good enough. This magical world, it's yeah. not enough that my skin heals itself. It's not like all. This is not enough. I want something different, and I and. Even though, yes, the world is broken, yes, there's so much pain in it, I feel like through these very painful experiences, it's, it has ripped this like, lens off of our eyes to say, no, 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 look what's right before you. And I find it so much easier now to see what's in front of me. And mm. it's, it's not as hard. It's like, when, you know, when people speak about depression, Mm -hmm. and it's just this downward spiral and you get up and you every day you try you try you try and then you end up in the same spiral at the end of the night um, I mean I felt I felt that I was in that place for a while and you have that feeling of it's never going to change this is always going to be this way and you realize that I mean what is it the 70 uh, 78% the percentage is wrong I know it's wrong. I wish, I wish I knew the right percentage to know. But it's a big percentage. A high percentage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like most of the, we'll just say most of the things that you do. Maybe I'll just take out that percentage. Most of the things 
that you do every day when you get up are habits, not decisions. Yeah. And so I think when I realized that, oh my gosh, when I feel like, oh, this is just the natural state of things, it was like, no, I've, I've let my brain create these patterns and these grooves to get in this same habit. And it's, I'm really just falling back into the same bad habit of um, bad thought. Yeah. And, and, and I know it's not, it's not, that's not to say that it's a clear cut issue, depression, or getting out of that. But, but for me, it was a light bulb for me of going, whoa, I have, a, I have a choice. And that empowered me to say, the world, yes, the world is broken, but it, it, there actually is a lot of love and a lot of light, a lot of love, a lot of light, a lot of goodness. There's a lot of people not killing each other right now. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> for so long I was only seeing the bad and just all of the atrocities that have, that have happened through history. And so I had to say, no, Lisa, like, you need to be intentional about what you're seeing. Yes, you, you can. Yes, there is pain that is present. But I felt like I had lost the ability to see the goodness and the light. And so it really was a practice of seeing for me, um, a retraining of my heart and my head to see the beauty that is present. Yeah. I think it's important to, like, for a while, I felt like, oh, am I tricking myself? Is this a, It's not a trick. It, it is beautiful. Life is beautiful. It is a gift. It is astonishing. And I just closed my eyes to it, and now I feel like my eyes are more open to it than ever before in my life. And I know Michael would say, Michael would say the same thing. It's the same thing for him. We both have had these experiences where we're just going, oh, my gosh, like this... This is an astoundingly beautiful life that we live. Yeah. Yeah, it's really easy to lose focus of that and to lose track of, of what's of, of what's going on. I, I I read a book this year. You probably have heard it, heard of it. Um, How to be here and um, about being fully present in our life right now. Mm-hmm. When I was reading it, I I went to the, my local park near my my apartment and and just sat there and I looked up at a tree and I looked up at the leaf on this tree and I noticed it and I just looked at it and I started to notice different shapes and colours and and you know catches the light and everything and um, and that every leaf actually was different you know and if I hadn't stopped and slowed down I wouldn't have seen that you know and I think okay it's just a leaf it's not that important you know but um, all this stuff's all around us all the time we forget to see it and mm-hmm. it's so easy to get caught up um, with what's happening in the world and all the you know the things that you know the disasters and the, and stuff stuff going on in politics and all that kind of thing it's so easy to get wrapped yeah. up in that and I mean I let myself get wrapped in in that for a time but yeah. I just had to just yeah. like, you know what I just have to let go and just step back you know yeah it was funny, Michael and I were laughing about this the other day because we, we we were in Colorado. We just had had a show in Denver, and so the next day we went to these hot springs um, that are a little bit outside of Denver. And so we live in LA, and you know it's be- I mean it's beautiful in LA, but you can't see the stars like you can see them in Denver. <laughs> and it was yeah. like not by 
far. I mean, you can see a few stars here, but in Denver, in the mountains, I mean, the air is so pure and clear. Uh, it was astonishing how many stars I could see. And we just laid there looking at the stars going, whoa. And we were drilled away from that. And I said, hey, man, like, what if we, I, mean, I love LA, I love LA, but I want to see the stars every night, right? So even like was in that thing of like, well, this is really great what I have, but if I had this every night. And so Michael and I started talking about uh, the stars versus a spoon. Because <laughs> we had, just that morning we ate this little diner and we were looking at the spoons and we were talking about how getting to that point where this spoon is as amazing as a starry night sky. And so, you know, at first I was like, okay, that's fine. You can look at the star. I mean, you can look at the spoon. I'll take the starry night sky. I mean, it's just more beautiful. You know, and so I'm starting out my whole argument saying, I don't care what the argument is. This this just is how it is because the universe is more amazing than a spoon. Right? Yeah. So, but then... We and I was like, I already know what you're gonna say, Michael. I know what you're gonna say, and he's just laughing. He's like, What am I gonna say? It's like you're gonna say this. The, the spoon is made of the universe, so I sh- it is as astounding as the universe because it is the universe. <laughs> so we're just like in this uh, circular, you know, conversation about spoons and stars and. Um, but it was really intriguing and interesting of how we can look at some inanimate object, inanimate object, and think, "Oh, this is just a spoon. This is just a table. This is just a book." And then you look at, if you see it, you can get to that place in your head, which I think we all should. I'm looking at this book right now here in my hands. This is a book. Whoa! This grew from the ground. You know. The soil that fed this tree, soil and water fed this tree, it grew out of the earth. And all of the things that had to happen that were absolutely necessary to make that tree grow, photosynthesis that happened and how that tree gave oxygen to the air and the, and the air gives back to the tree, like this whole give and take of this one tree. And now here it's sitting, somehow they like shaped it and pressed it and put this black ink on it and someone was smart enough to put all these words together. Like, that's, that's wild. That's wild. And I'm looking at this book, and, and it's just a book, but it's like, if you really think about it, it's, yeah. it's the universe. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we go on these, convers- these kind of talks all the time. Yeah, I love I love this kind of this kind of stuff because it, it's so easy to forget, isn't it? That um, yeah, you know that yeah we have roofs over our heads and like well, you know we have heating. Well, you don't need heating, but um, <laughs> uh, really heating in the UK. Um, yeah, we have you know, and um, we don't go to bed hungry and all that kind of thing. And people say, oh yeah, it's easy to say all that. Yeah, first world problems. Yeah. But, but actually, we kind of don't realise how, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, we don't realise how much of a blessing that is. And, um, you know, what's all around us all the time. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
other things actually the other thing I was going to ask well there's a lot of other things I could ask I want to ask but um, what what, are, what kind of your own spiritual practices what are your kind of daily routines rhythms that kind of connect you with the divine and centre you and ground you You know, we, it's kind of funny, I like had stopped praying for quite a while and I think because I lost um, the ability to do so in the way that I was praying, I was just always praying for things and, you know, like, I kind of like very self-centered stuff, like that I would end up getting what I wanted and even though I thought it was fine, but like this prayer of God providing for my needs. Um, so what I found that I that I'm doing now is my my prayer is different, and I just can't say some of the things I used to say. Um, but I find that I am more centered. I am. I'm, more at peace within my own heart and I'm less anxiety I mean I could rattle off a list of benefits for myself that I feel like prayer has done for me and meditation um especially meditation Mm. just finding the calm because I think sometimes what is easy to do for me is it gets like prayer can sometimes get a little hectic or and then but for me meditation has been this thing of um finding peace with what is and then I can see the beauty in it um so it's that same thing of like my prayers a lot of times are oh god like have mercy and help this world right help help Mm. the poor help the Syrian refugees help um, this, all the tragedies that are happening uh, within our culture and the political uh, stress and just all of this is what like I feel like my prayers are for and then for meditation if I'm ever starting to get anxiety with my own self it just centers me and I I do it a lot more than I used to it just if I'm ever even feeling the stress of producing something, like, I have to produce it, I've got to, like, prove myself, I'll just say, you know what, I, I need to center myself and know that's not what my life is about. And I'll come to the table, do my best, do this work, and let it be what it is for whoever needs it in there. I don't want any stress or anxiety or say other thing attached to it um, mm. you know what I mean yeah yeah um, so it's been really helpful really really helpful for me and allowing myself time to do that uh, especially with two kids can be really difficult <laughs> mm, yeah. but, uh, I think instead of I mean, we, we actually watch a lot less TV than we used to and we love TV I mean I, I think TV and movies is beautiful our forms and we, we love it but mm. but as it's interesting as I find I'm healthier when I set aside that and 
take more time to go sit in our backyard and look at the stars or just do intentional things that are inspiring to me. Where for so long it felt like it was frivolous, you know, like it was just this fancy thing that I got to do while the rest of the world is suffering. How could you, Lisa, you know, take time to be inspired or meditate? But I've found I'm, I'm a better person and I don't have anything to give to the world if I'm not doing these these things that give me life and centeredness and peace. So I've come back to making that a priority. Yeah. I'm back, guys, by the way. Sorry to yeah, I'm like all the way for a while. He's back. Are you are you selling our house? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Who is that? Who is that woman? <laughs> yeah. There's a rental, the rental girl. Rental girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, um, uh, yeah. So. Um, Michael, what about, what about spiritual practices for you? What are your spiritual practices? Um, not having heard Lisa, I'm imagining that I'm going to echo all the same stuff she already said. <laughs> but uh, I, I do a lot of meditation. I um, There's this float tank. That oh, I didn't mention that, yeah. It's yeah. in uh, Los Angeles that if I'm really needing like a, a reset, I go and float in this tank of nothingness. It's like a sensory deprivation tank where you get in the um, salt water and you float and it, it just shuts off all light and all sound and it's like this body temperature water and you're just floating there naked in this nothingness. Oh my God, that is amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's like, it's like meditation on steroids sort of. Yes. And, um, so that, I mean, at this point, to me, spiritual practice is is really just about state. It's about how you're, how you are being present in the moment. Are you being present in the moment? And if you are being present in the now, then anything can become spiritual practice, mm-hmm. um, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. So, playing the, the practice is what is going to help me stop. You know, worrying about tomorrow, what's going to help me stop thinking about the past and feeling guilty about the past or feeling um, whatever it is that's taking me out of just being present here and now is what is the distraction. So anything, I think that's, you can see that in Buddhist practice, you can see that in, look at Brother Lawrence, how he used to wash pans and pots and in his monastery and that was um, for the glory of God and that was the practicing the presence of God that he talked about was being present and doing that and I think music is really good playing music mm-hmm. as, a, as a spiritual discipline as a spiritual practice where you are present with what you're doing any, really any of it hanging out with the girls uh, really the practice is how do you relate to what you're doing and so sometimes certain I still need things like intentionally sitting down to meditate or to whatever um, some more traditional practices um, to to remind me and to train my brain on how to slow down and stop 
writing about all these other worries and concerns and being here or there in the future or the past. Um, sometimes these intentional disciplines are sort of, it's, to make a musical analogy, it's sort of like playing scales. You're, you're consciously sitting down and doing something, whether it's praying or reading or studying or being generous, you know, giving to the poor, all these things that then categorize the spiritual disciplines. I think they're, they're sort of like playing your scales where you're sitting down and intentionally like training your body, training your mind how to engage um, in the divine that is in every moment in a, in a specific and focused way. And eventually the hope is that the practice becomes the way that you live, where you eventually becomes like, like St. Paul talked about, um, constant praying without ceasing, right? Where everything becomes prayer, everything becomes spirit. And um, that's the goal. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. That anything can be a spiritual practice if we make it, if we choose to see the world that way. That is, um, that's so true. Yeah, I love that. Um, but it's it's tricky because you can say you can say that as a way of avoiding spiritual practice in a lazy way. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> because, or it's like, well, everything is prayer, so I don't pray. Um, that that can be like the laziest, most cynical way of, of looking at it. But you kind of need. In the journey, the human brain needs some training. It needs some training wheels at times. And to me, this, the, the more traditional spiritual disciplines, fasting, whatever, you know, study, meditation, um, it's sort of like training wheels. Sort of like you, you need some specific... Um, it's too hard to go through the noise of life fully present. Mm. You, no, we just, we're not able to do it. Like, no, we can do it. Unless you're some spiritual guru genius, like baby Christ was able to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but even, even he, like, need, get, needed to get away. He was like, I need to... Uh, he would just leave the crowd and all of a sudden go and be in the desert. And if Jesus needed to do that, if he needed the, uh, to be able to be present in his daily life, he needed some specifically set-aside practice. Uh, I would imagine most of the people listening to the podcast were as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Uh, just uh, shifting a little bit. I, you know, there's lots of big things happening right now in the world. Um, like cult culturally and spiritually, there seems to be kind of a shift going on, from what I've noticed anyway. Um, a lot of things seem to be coming to an end and other things are beginning and you know it's kind of a um, there's a lot of tension around that um, what's your kind of perspective on, on all of that and what's happening you know spiritually and, and culturally as well especially in the kind of the I suppose the Christian world but also in the world at, the western world at large yeah Sorry, that's I feel like there's a big because of technology of the last you know, few decades that the world has just so quickly changed and the way we communicate, the way we relate our ideas of what social means and what 
yeah, communication means what thought and how means and how we communicate with each other. Um, it's been such a quick and sudden change in so many ways in human culture, and a lot of a lot of that has created some pretty amazing progress. You know, in the in the states, we had the first African American president um, yeah. in history, and it's like that's it wasn't that long ago that Jim Crow was telling the Jim Crow Jim Crow laws in the United States were like making black people drink out of different water fountains than black people. It wasn't that long before that that um, slavery existed. You know, I mean, it was, it's not like in terms of human history. Slavery was yesterday. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago. It's all of a sudden to have we have a black president, and we've got uh, and equal marriage laws all of a sudden being passed, and all this stuff that, like, because people have been thrown into a world that's not just my little village or my little town anymore. But you can anybody in any little village can talk to anybody from any other little village. And all of a sudden, we're all in this bigger pool swimming together. Yeah. Um, and so that has made the, the transaction of thoughts and ideas and progress speed up. And, uh, and in process, what, what I see happening right now, what, in my opinion, is sort of a the energy of, like, if you swirl... It's just physics, right? Like you swirl the water one way, there's still some opposite forces that are fighting it underneath under the undertow or whatever. Uh, there's things happening. There's, you don't just push it, the water one way, and just the whole body of water goes that way. Um, and I feel like there's an energy in the world pulling back from some of the progress that we've made mm-hmm. in society and some of the ways that um, have you how, how we've on some levels been more united in that we can communicate with each other more easily, we can hear other thoughts, other opinions, but that's also created these other energies where there's these little echo chambers that have created mm. uh, where anybody can say anything they want and get an audience and, be, and say it in a way, in a safe way because it's they're physically absent um, so they can kind of just disconnect their ideas and it's allowed some really negative ideas to fester as well. Yeah. Um, and some like closed enclaves of privilege and white supremacy and uh, any any disgusting idea or impulse that a human being can have, you can find a place on the internet that you're not, that it's not disgusting and weird, and but you're kind of accepted into a community that's also doing it. So it's created this just strange world, and I think what we're seeing is these massive. Uh, like a hurricane you see uh, it's a hot front and a cold front coming in right you see, yeah. or a tornado or something where you have these different streams of energy coming in that conflict with each other um, and the result is devastation in the weather um, I feel like this, this kind of culturally it feels to me like some sort of hurricane is happening or brewing um, from Brexit yeah. to Trump to ISIS to yeah. Russia to you know I mean yet alone the 
they talk about spirituality. God has its own things. The church, like in America, at least, the evangelical right is totally falling apart. What does it even mean anymore? Because they've been connected with Trump. And so you still have some leaders standing with him and standing for what the evangelical right is supposed to be. And others saying, well, how can you say that you're the party of family values? Standing up for this guy who talks like this and treats women like this. And, this. and it's just like everything... You feel it everywhere. It's just this tension. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's pretty it's pretty amazing, right? Like I I guess it, it there is so much tension, and it feels like things are getting so much worse. But I guess with social media now, people being able to say whatever they want to say and take a video of whatever they want to video, it's taken the power out of the hands of the, you know the reporters, the media the powers, right? And so, like, I felt like it has just peeled back what, already, what was already there. Like, this was there, but people just didn't know because they were only being spoon-fed what everybody wanted to hear. Hmm. Yeah. So, so now that has been ripped off because everybody has a cell phone and can video um, a shooting. They can video a cop. They can video Donald Trump. They can video, um, you know, so on the other side of the world, I'm seeing a disaster that I've never seen before. So, so I think it's also like we're catching, we're catching up with like, whoa, this is crazy what's happening in our world, um, because it's just so available to for everybody to show it and not to be filtered. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really hoping that. Like even it's so so much tension, so much chaos. I'm really hoping that this peeling back of the floorboards um, helps people. Like, no, let's actually deal with this. It's been under the surface, and now the truth is being revealed. Yeah. And so now we have to actually change our hearts yeah. towards a lot of these issues. Yeah, oh, definitely. You know, having had Brexit here in the UK. That when that happened, it was like um, hate crime went up. We're straight away because, and it was, it was, it was literally exactly, you know, as soon as that result came through, it was like the trigger for a whole load of people. Like, oh, well, now we're legally, democratically sanctioned to be able to be racist, you know? Yeah. And it was like, it's like this wasn't, this didn't suddenly appear. This was there all along. They just didn't have, didn't feel yeah. they had the the voice or the right to say it and then suddenly they think they do because we voted to leave the European Union and it was really scary it was like well this was underneath the surface the whole time I thought we got rid of this you know and actually we hadn't and actually in, in paradoxically it's kind of like okay now we've got to deal with this problem because we know it's there um, so yeah it's interesting yeah yeah um, and you know I saw a video of where a shooting in America um, but I think it was by a police officer, and I, I, and I just said something on social media. I can't believe this. Like, and somebody, an American friend of mine, tweeted back to me and said, "Oh, this happens all the time. It's just that now you can see it on social media because of yeah. you know." Um, and so that yeah, that was quite a um, challenging thought for me as well. It kind of backs up what you said, Lisa, about the power of social media. Now we see everything that goes on. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's disheartening, and it's also the thing that 
it's disheartening and hopeful for me if at the same time. Yeah. I hate seeing what's under the surface, but it's like that's the only thing that can happen and for us to change. You can't just cover up. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's how you deal. That's how that's how you deal with change. I mean, going back to yeah, one wild life. That's kind of like you had to confront the stuff that was going on inside of you, the pain, the, you know, the suffering, um, uh, the grief, and um, it's when you confront it that you can actually deal with it and get healing and get transformation and, and move to the next season of your life. Yeah. Yeah. You've done the One Wild Life trilogy now. That's that's out in the world, um, and that's an iTunes, by the way, everyone. If you want to buy it, um, definitely go and buy it. It's amazing. Um, so, what's the next? Um, what's the next step for you, kind of creatively? Where are you feeling like we're going next in terms of you know your your music and, and just your creative output generally? we're talking a lot about right now we're trying to figure out where we're going we're um, both have started writing a book actually um, and that will I mean the publishing world is so slow so I guess you'll see that book in like 25 years uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it took three years to get uh, three years to get more published yeah <laughs> um, but then I mean, we're busy, I'm busy, especially with the liturgists, the podcast takes up a lot of time, I'm also doing a lot of new composition and stuff, um, composition and scoring and things like that I'm trying to get into, so we're trying to figure out, like, the balance of our lives for Gunger and touring, and maybe we won't make another Gunger up for a while, I think there's plenty of new Gunger music out there now, um, <laughs> but as far as, like, touring it and... It's just a ch- it's a challenging thing, not just for um, I mean, for our family's sake, it's a challenging thing touring and all that with, with our two daughters and all that. But uh, also, just where the music industry is at is a strange place because it's like with everything moving to streaming so quickly, uh, it's cut off like a whole leg. Of music income, which affects everything around the whole thing. And the whole half a body feels like <laughs> more than a like. Yeah, it's it's changed. Well, it depends on. Yeah, for a lot of people, they their argument is, well, you can use your brand then to tour more. But for especially for artists like us, there are certain artists that they just go out with acoustic guitar and they can make money touring. Hmm. Um, but even big artists usually don't if you're putting together any kind of production touring is not usually the most profitable endeavor unless you're gigantic mm. um, if you and so it's kind of unless you want just acoustic guitar so so we've used touring in the past to kind of promote the brand and to help people buy the record yeah. um, and not made not made much money from touring um, but now to like promote a record that's going to just be streamed for most people 
doesn't seem like a very viable business. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, you can get a million a million streams, and that's like five thousand bucks, five thousand dollars. So. Um, <laughs> really? I, I, I had no idea, seriously. Um, I don't yeah, know how royalties and stuff so, work. So. Like, to, and you think, like, a million streams, wow, like, what a successful song. And, okay, $5,000, cool. That, that's okay for, like, it, it's not worth making a record for $5,000 taking a year. <laughs> um, it's a lot of time and energy and money to make a record. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're kind of in this. What do we how do we make a living in the current music industry? And I think we're going to see more and more of this for mid-level artists and low-level mid-level artists. The, the, uh, the big ones can still, you know, yeah. they've got half a leg and they've got 10 legs, stout, solid legs there. Yeah. I'm um, still standing on. But uh, the current industry is, is really going to make it difficult for people to make a living as a mid-level artists unless they can figure out a way to cheaply tour production. So in fact, you know, it, it, it just cuts down, it changes everything, including touring. So I wonder, my guess is that production quality will start going down for concerts over the next few years, but then that makes you wonder whether people will still pay to go to concerts when yeah. they can just sit at home and watch anything that's, you know, any amazing concert from their big screen TV or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just that you're, there's so much competition for entertainment and for your attention now, not only just with the music industry. So it's just a, it's a strange world. For, so we're trying to we're, we're figuring that out. We're figuring out like how do we exist in this new environment um, and still have food on the table. Yeah, and that's a very yeah. real thing. I mean, I yeah, I mean as a writer, it's yeah, you can't make money from just selling books. You know, you, you can't make a living from just selling books, not unless you're like J.K. Rowling or Stephen King or something yeah. like that, you know. Um, so, um, you know, if I want to do, if I want to spend a lot of time writing books, I need to find something else to do, you know, um, yeah. to bring in the income, you know, um, yeah. which, which frees me would frees me the time to, to do the writing. So that's what I've been trying to explore, you know, and that's what I've been trying to figure out as well. And... Yeah. It's really challenging because you don't want to lose your artistic integrity. You don't want to say, oh, I'm just in this for the money. You don't want to be, um, you don't want to kind of yeah. compromise your creativity for the sake of money or numbers or whatever. But mm -hmm. at the same time, you've got to recognize the reality that I've got to pay bills and I've got to put food on the table at the end of the day, you know. And that's a real yeah. challenge for all creative people, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting one because like, more of us are creating art and stuff than ever before it seems like mm. which is cool um but it does there are when you when the gatekeepers ruled the world when you got chosen for to be in your profession to be a writer to be a mm. musician whatever it was you, you could make a living doing that for a while uh, yeah i mean it's not historically speaking just the recent history but um so with, with the advent of everybody can self-publish anything and have mostly the same avenues as anybody else has as far as... Books is a little different, but, um, you know, when you're a musician, you can be a self-published, self-labeled musician and 
get on iTunes and Spotify and Apple Music and everything I can really play and just anything that, any, that Beyonce is on yeah. um, and have the same technical distribution as her yeah uh, digitally so it's a, it's a, it's a, it creates a strange world partially it's there's so much music being made a lot of it's great it's also sometimes hard to wait through it all and where do you like there are people that are so good that are not getting the attention that they may have gotten 10 years ago Mm. in society because they're just in the sea yeah all this stuff being made yeah so pros and cons yeah what are your thoughts on that Lisa just briefly um I mean my my thoughts are pretty pretty similar to everything you just said we we talk about it a lot (laughs) um I think it I mean, in everything that is a difficult situation, it also presents itself as an opportunity, right? You know, like we're all figuring out how to change. And um, I think it also, you stick with music because you love it and because you have to do it, not because you're mm. trying to get famous. And um, I think it will, you know, force a lot of people to do that. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, I hope a shift is coming where people dive into the value of art and um, mm-hmm. abandon this whole idea of I deserve this art that you've created for free. Um, I was listening to a, a a different podcast and this girl was talking about how they ended up asking their their people their fans just asking to help them and so she's talking about the power of asking and yeah. depending on people and creating this community of hey we depend on each other and and it was amazing for them because they were kind of already a known band and they ended up receiving so much so much money uh, people gave them for their album so it'd be wonderful that happened with every everyone that's committing their life to creating music and their, their craft and um, I mean sadly that just is not, it hasn't happened for everybody but I think it um, for us I feel really connected with our whole um the season pass holders. I feel incredibly connected to them and because they believe in the music in such a way that like it's just different. It's, it's different. It, they, um, and when I talk to them, we've had a listening party here in LA and it's, it's just a different thing of going, I'm connected to you on this very deep level everything that you've walked through, I've walked through this and your journey is my journey and I feel the same thing with them. They're not just speaking that to me, I'm speaking that to them. You know, it's a, this back and forth thing. And um, I don't know if that would have happened had we not done the season pass, this dependency mm-hmm. that we have on people. Um, so right, it, it's it's the same, yeah, for everything, right in the middle of it, it being so hard, because we could definitely use more season pass holders and definitely use more people to, to actually purchase the music instead of stream it. Um, within our own selves, it creates this vulnerability of, hey, we, we actually really, really, really need you people um, to buy into this. 
in a very practical way for us to keep doing this. Like we we need you, we need each other. And to me, these last three albums, the people have felt more of a part of it than any of the other albums. Mm-hmm. Um, as well. and that's not to dismiss the other ones or say I don't love them. I really do. But with this one, there's these moments that have happened for me where I feel like there's no separation between me and the other people. Yeah. So I think all, you know, all all of the stuff we've been through and the season pass and this dependency on them has something to do with that. Yeah. Thank you so much, both of you. It's been so good having you on today. Um, Really grateful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, same here. Thanks, uh, thanks for, for having us. Grateful. Yeah, we appreciate it. And, um, yeah, great insights and stuff today. So, uh, um, and uh, how can people connect with you? Um, just if they want to connect with you and get your stuff, um, website and social media. Yeah, you can find us at gungermusic.com. And Gunger Music is our handle on everything, Instagram and Twitter and all that. And um, you can listen to all of the One Wildlife records wherever you listen to your music. And uh, also check out like, the liturgists. Yes. Uh, that's what Science Mike and I kind of host a podcast called The Liturgists, and you can find that liturgists.com, theliturgists.com, um, as well as social media and all that. That's our, that's our handle. Awesome. Those are kind of the social media little brands that we have. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. And definitely get yeah. check all those things out. I can recommend them as well. So um, thank you, um, thank you guys, and um, thanks everyone. It's been great to uh, talk to you today. I hope you've really enjoyed this interview. So uh, take care, everyone, and we'll talk again soon.